0: You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Good morning, WCC. I thought that today I would use my words to talk about words. We live in a society of words, whether it's social media or television or even words accompanied by wonderful things like art or music we are a people of words and i don't think there's any getting around that but i want to talk about words and it reminded me of uh, something i read years ago by this author named 17 young who said a picture can tell a thousand words but a few words can change its story matthew chapter 4 when uh, being tempted Jesus said, man must not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Later on, Jesus said in Matthew 12:36, in the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. <laughs> That's going to be, can you imagine how many Facebook statuses and tweets Jesus is going to have to review from all of us uh, on judgment day? It's going to be like, and you said this, and you said this, and you said this. Well, James, in his letter, wrote this in the third chapter, beginning verse 1. Not many should become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature person who is able to control the whole body. Now, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we also guide the whole animal and consider ships. Though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though, the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how large a forest, a small fire ignites. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire and is set on fire by hell. Verse 7, Every sea, creature, reptile, bird, or animal is tamed and has been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. We praise our Lord and Father with it, and we curse men who are made in God's likeness with it. Oh my, that will preach right now, won't it? Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers, these things should not be this way. Does the spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. I mean, it goes on. And before we allow our mind to just wander off into the many different things James could mean in this text, here's what I want us to realize today. Words do things and have immense power. Words shape futures. I mean, we know what happens when people talk and listen to one another, right? Lives are affected. And words, when we mean them, have the power to change things. Like words can stir conviction. Words can inspire hope in a time of hopelessness. Words can offer direction or comfort when a person has long been running from something or stuck in a trench filled with sorrow. Like We know that words can bring two people together in love and create a bond that declares we'll be together until death do we part. And at the same time, words can break the fragile bonds that hold us together. Words have started and stopped wars, have built and lost fortunes. Words have saved and taken lives. Words have won and lost great kingdoms. Words can name things to bring about conviction and awareness and even repentance so change can come. Words matter. And long after you and I are gone, our words will remain. Words live longer than people. And this is because words do things and shape futures. Words have power. Now, our faith is a faith that is told to us in a story of words. And it's a story of words, even about words. Like you think about Genesis and in the very beginning, where it says, in the beginning, God spoke and all things were made. You think about the narrative of Genesis And how fathers bless sons with words like Isaac and Jacob. And then we read of how other worshipers of God bless others with their words. We think about Exodus and how God's words were used to provoke Pharaoh, pronounce judgment on Egypt and rescue his people. We think about Deuteronomy, how not only did words form a law by which God's people would actually be formed, but words offered blessing. You think about deuteronomy 33 verse 1 where it says moses offered a lengthy blessing over the israelites just before his death you think about numbers the book of numbers and we find that what is perhaps the most popular of all sections of words and blessings given by a priest in Numbers six verse 24 to 26 says the lord spoke to moses tell aaron and his sons how you are to bless the israelites say to them May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. In this way, they will pronounce my name over the Israelites, and I will bless them. Think about the prophets and all of their words, and how over and again they used words to offer a clear vision of repentance and a vision of a restored future. Think about Paul. The apostle, and how words were his greatest tool, and how he offers short eulogies of blessings in Romans and Corinthians, and then long eulogies and blessings in Ephesians and Colossians. Think about even Revelation, and how God uses words to give John a clear vision of the last things of what's to come, so that John could take those words and become an instrument of blessing to the church. Offer words in the form of a letter. To give the church comfort and a clear vision of Jesus as King. You think about the Gospels and how the story of Jesus is captured in words. And you think about how even the Gospel within words tell us that at some point God got tired of using words. So the word then became flesh and God embodied His own words By the divine word that is the Son of God, that is Jesus. Words do things. And they shape futures. Because words always provoke actions. Words require response. And that response is always embodied action and you think about what james had to say and he kind of boils words down into two broad categories the idea of speaking blessings and speaking cursings james says in james 3 verse ten, blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth my brothers these things should not be this way and it got me wondering what kind of words do i speak what kind of words do you speak What kind of words words do we, as the people of God, speak, or type, or post? Are they words that give life or steal life? Are they words that build up or tear down? Are they words that cover up or are they words that reveal? Ooh, I want to say that again. Are they words that cover up? Or are they words that reveal? Are they words of blessing or words of cursing? I want to talk about words of blessing. So the actual word blessing and the act of blessing shouldn't be confused with our modern language of blessing which restricts it to like some sort of well wish, right? Like where we wish people well. The Greek word eulogia, which is actually translated blessing in our New Testaments, is where we get our word eulogy, right? So just as our our modern understanding and usage of blessing strays from the predominant use and found in the biblical narrative, so does our word uh, for eulogy. Today, eulogies are mostly limited to public readings in honor of someone, but in the biblical story, eulogy was that, but it was much more. Predominantly, in the biblical narrative, the language of blessings and even benedictions were powerful and they effected real change in the circumstances of the hearers because words do things and they shape futures. So think about it, in the Hebrew culture, in the the Hebrew narrative, blessings and benedictions were often an invitation to God to come into a moment manifest His presence and speak into a situation or speak into a life and offer a new direction or a new vision to the one who is receiving the words. Blessings were a calling upon God to grant them success and sometimes words were used as a calling upon God to hinder success. Blessings The idea of blessings in Scripture occur in the first five books of the Hebrew Scriptures, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, over 160 times. Over 160 times. Matter of fact, in Genesis and Deuteronomy, it's 130 times that you'll read blessings and see blessings. And blessings were not just words because they understood that words did things and shaped futures. Blessings always ended up as actions blessings were not just speeches because words do things it may come off at first like a speech but it was always intended to provoke an action cause in the Hebrew tradition and even in the Greco-Roman tradition of the culture of the New Testament words were to be used with thoughtfulness, carefully, purposefully, with intentionality, because they understood that words do things. And when you go back to the Hebrew Scriptures and you start tracking how blessings are formed and shaped and what they were intended to do, blessings are usually uh, associated with fruitfulness whether it be the fruitful of a land or the fruitfulness of a life. They were used as words of authority. And this played out in Israel's life over and over again. And and they thrived when they understood this. And then words of blessings were used for peace and rest, what what the scriptures would talk about shalom or, or peace, this idea of wholeness. Words and blessings being used to bring about fruitfulness with authority to bring about wholeness. And there are many times, many times, when God would allow his people to use his words as their own words as a pronouncement of hope that offers a new vision of a new future powerful enough to shape the present. I want to say that again. Where God allowed his people to use his words as a pronouncement because of the power of words to bring about a new vision of a new future that had the power to shape the present. A new vision of a new future that had the power to shape the present. Blessings offered in God's name had power. Blessings had power. And the language of blessing, even in the Christian scriptures, is used over 68 times. And then you see this language of cursings. This language that that was used in malice that was used in condemnation, that was used in bitterness, that was used for the purposes of deception, that was used in anger as a way of robbing people of life. Even cursings had the power to shape futures. Because words have power. And I wonder if we could be a people whose words are words of blessing, right? Words that could pronounce hope and peace that offer a new vision of a gospel-informed future that could be powerful enough to shape the life of the one receiving it. Like, I wonder if we used our words to name the things that needed to be named so that hurts could be Healed so that lies could be revealed and so that hope would be manifest in any given moment. I wonder if we could use words that were life giving, words that were affirming, and words that were challenging, but words that came from a place within my heart and your heart, within my mind and your mind, from our mouths, from our lips, from our fingertips. That would be used and meant to provoke thought toward the kind of future that God wants for us. Here's what I mean. If words do things, and words shape futures, then why are we so careless with them? Why are we afraid of? Them? Now it's not a secret. I've been I've been For the last 10 years, I've I've attempted to to be a part of our church family to name things because I think naming things matter because words matter and words do things. But what I've found is that we have a tendency to want to find words that make things softer. We want to make things more palatable. We want to make things taste better. We don't like it when certain words are used because these words do things to us. Sometimes they cost us something. And so we'd rather call it something else. We'd rather talk about racism than white supremacy. We'd rather talk about generic terms. We'd rather talk about conflict than to talk about violence. And then sometimes we use words purposefully with a different agenda because we want to twist the narrative that we're a part of. And see, that alone should tell us that words have power, that words do things. What if we as a people of God, understanding the power of these words, started choosing our words carefully? Would we post less Facebook statuses? Would we share less things? Would we measure what it is we're going to say before we say it? Might we shape the words we use from being a direct statement to the form of a question? We think to ourselves, "Are these words that I'm about to speak meant to make me feel better? Are meant to make things better?" I believe that God calls us to be a people of blessing, to where we are a people who offer words of blessing. That are humble imitations to God to make his presence known in the life of people who hear them to provide the way forward in light of the promises of God. I believe the people of God are supposed to be truth tellers. But in being truth tellers, we are supposed to be truth tellers who do so out of love and for love and for the cause of love. Not out of anger and hatred and malice not to prove a point, not to win an argument, but to reveal a truth that is at work in the world that maybe needs to be uncovered. Maybe it's a truth that has been concealed and needs to be revealed. But I believe the people of God are supposed to be a people who speak words of intentionality and purpose and understand the power of those words. And when those words are spoken, making sure that we are also trying to be a people who speak words of blessing. Because we know what Peter taught us, something we confess every week when we get together. We know that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, a people who are supposed to proclaim the mighty deeds of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We know that we are a royal priesthood. As the priesthood of God we are a people who understand the power of our words to speak words of blessing so here's my challenge brother and sister can you make sure this week that the words you speak are words of blessing and if they are words that have a little sting to make sure that when you're telling the truth if they're words that are seeking to reveal what has been concealed that you're doing so out of a place of blessing to bring about a hope and a future that is in line with the promises of God that is revealed through the gospel of God I want to encourage us to be those people right now during this election season those are the people our society needs we need to be a people who know where our citizenship is to be a blessing in the midst of our moment because we are a people of divine authority and divine purpose let us use our words of authority purposefully and let me say this because words have power cause words do things Because words shape futures, and because we are committed to to truth-telling, life-giving, blessing, offering words, let's remember that not all words given to us are worthy of our words. In other words, not all things said to us are worthy of response. We can hold our words. And in holding our words, be a blessing rather than an obstacle or find ourselves roped into unnecessary, unhelpful, unfruitful debate in a culture of incivility. See, all of this reminded me of something that was written, well, I think 1800, 1700 years ago one of the earlier christian writings it's known as the letter to diognetus now the author's unknown but but this is a reflection of the christians who are living in rome and this is what it says listen to this christians live in their own countries but only as guests and aliens they take part in everything as citizens and endure everything as aliens they are poor as beggars and yet they make many rich they lack everything and yet they have everything in abundance They are dishonored, and yet have their glory in their very dishonor. They are abused, yet they bless. In a word, what the soul is in the body, the Christians are in the world. Let us be a blessing. May we be that people